Warning, this podcast contains adult language and spoilers. Sorry. Hi, welcome to Fantastic Rants. Where can you find them? Right Right here. here. And welcome back to Fantastic Rants. I'm Eric. And I'm Severa. And today we're going to be talking about some of the twists and turns of uh, Fantastic Beasts 2, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and also some uh, interesting fan theories. So... Let's just jump into it. <laughs> yeah, we're really good at that. Um, so this first article that we're going to be talking about is called When Fantastic Beasts Decided on the Big Queenie Twist. Uh, by Nick Evans on cinemablend.com. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Um, so, warning, the following contains major spoilers for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Make sure you've seen the film before entering this chamber of secrets. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I like that pun. <laughs> nice. Way to go. Let's just say Nick. Good job, Nick. Nick I wish I knew how to read. Um, <laughs> so, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald... Featured draw-dropping elevations and major twists. I wish I knew how to read. <laughs> Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, featured draw-dropping elevations and major twists that left Potterheads feeling like it got hit by a powerful confundus charm. One of the biggest twists was when Allison Suttles, Queenie, the led... The Gillimans. right? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, when Was when Allison Suttles, Queenie, the... the it's okay. We can go past it. It was when Allison Suttles, Queenie, the Legilimens in love with a muggle, walked through the fire to side with Gellert Grindelwald. In a, it was a shocking move for the loving character, but the twist was decided on for quite some time, as director David Yates explained. And here we got a quote. We knew that was going to happen pretty much as we were finishing film one. Joe was very excited about that journey for Queenie. She showed us, showed that to us very, really early, even before we'd sort of drafted the script, that Queenie ultimately would be tempted over, because she was the one character you would anticipate would not do that. And that was really fun to see the switch across. We were all re- aware of it, and we gave Allison a heads up early that she was going to have quite an interesting journey in the second film. I do always really like that they'll, like, tell the one actor who's, like, going through it that things are happening, but then be like, but don't tell anyone else, so everyone is, like, surprised, because they did that with Snape, too. Yeah. And, like, Ezra Miller has been dropping all sorts of mad hints that he knows things that fans don't. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I want to know what he knows. Yeah, they'll tell us whenever they come out. They'll be yeah. like, Ezra knew this already. Yeah. And it'll be like, well, Ezra, you could have, like, mm, okay. Honestly, it's- like, his acting is so good. I mean, if I'm going to be real, like, sometimes I think these actors are too good for, like, the way that this <laughs> movie is going. <laughs> Definitely, like, the second one, I was like, there was no chance for, like, any emotion happening. I know. Um, but we can talk more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that happened with this that I. Ugh. Okay. Um. While Queenie crossing to the other side might have seemed out of nowhere to her friends and family in the film, as well as some fans, it is clear that this twist was in the works for some time. As David Yates said on the Empire Film Podcast, J.K. Rowling had Queenie's arc in mind long before the script for the film was finished. I feel like we already read this paragraph. He just said the same thing twice. Nick. You put a quote, you could have just, like, left the quote. It's a quote. Anyway, um, we've heard that J.K. Rowling has the whole five-film series in her head, so this is a testament to that. Well, duh. (laughs) Oh, and that would be really bad if she didn't know where this was going. (laughs) I mean, it does have, like, another six years, so, like, she could. Yeah, I guess that's true, six years. Yeah, because they're, like, two-year increments, so... Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I trust, okay, even though she's been very questionable recently, I trust her that she knows where, like, it's going. Yeah. I mean, she wrote a seven series, seven book series. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure she has some idea where this is going. But, yeah. Um, um, the, because she knew in advance, J.K. Rowling was able to give the filmmakers a heads up to let them know what was coming down the pike for Queenie to help them with the storytelling on the screen. Armed with that knowledge, it sounds like they let actress Alison Subtle know that Queenie would have a much different and unexpected journey in the sequel. Part of what makes the Queenie twist so huge is, as David Yates said, that she would seem to be the least likely character to join the ranks of a dark wizard. Queenie is an empath, deeply aware of other people's feelings, so much so that she seems to feel their love and pain. You would think a character so compassionate and good would never be tempted by Grindelwald, which makes the twist all the more impactful. On the one hand, it seems... It says a lot about how much she loves Jacob that she is willing to go to such lengths to live the life with him she wants. Her decision doesn't make sense logically. After all, intermarriage is legal in Britain, so just move. Problem solved, no need to join the dark side. Also, she leaves Jacob to join Grindelwald so that he can create a world where she can be with Jacob. Perhaps this decision-making is attributable to her heart-over-mind personality. On the other hand, it also says a lot about Grindelwald's influence on others, as producer David Heyman explained. Here we've got another quote. Um, The fact that even Queenie can go over is really significant. The fact is that for me, Grindelwald is a much scarier villain than Voldemort, because Voldemort was pure evil. People followed Voldemort as much because of his power and brute force than his power of persuasion. The thing about Grindelwald is he makes sense. Yeah, that's the whole thing that we're going to get into eventually. Yeah. And that's like the whole thing about fascism? What? Yeah. <laughs> so commentary. What? Okay. Um, it is an interesting point, and the contrast between the two chief villains of the Wizarding World is a fascinating one to parse out. Voldemort operated largely in the shadows like a puppet master drawing others to him out of fear and a lust for power. Grindelwald is a demagogue, a captivating speaker who convinces people that his cause is just and that what he is doing is for the greater good. We know that allowing muggles and magic folk to marry goes against what Grindelwald believes, but for some reason Queenie doesn't. Either that or she is convinced otherwise by the charismatic leader. I wonder um, if 
Grindelwald is maybe based on someone in history. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like someone that rose to power in like the twenties, thirties in Europe. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they'll clarify that later. I don't know. It sounds fake. Fake news, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. We saw how Grindelwald manipulated the Oars into doing what he wanted to to convey the untrustworthiness of wizarding institutions. Couple that with the looming muggle threat of World War II that he showed his audience in the cemetery, and it is easy to see why this villain proves so convincing and is such a threat. It will be very interesting to see in Fantastic Beasts 3 how Queenie reconciles her decision with whatever dark moves Grindelwald makes, and she gets a better idea of the world he is actually trying to create. Uh, yeah. And then it's a promo for the movie, which I don't think is still playing. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. yeah. I think maybe some theaters still. I don't know why. Um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's doing that well. Um, but, uh. But yeah. The next one comes out November 20th. I didn't know it had a date already. Does it? I can go see it for my... (laughs) For my uh, 22nd and a half birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, so about this. So, I don't... mm, I guess my only thing is that I don't really consider this a twist. Because they kind of lead up to it the entire movie. I feel like... So my thing was, I think it's not really so much a twist as it doesn't seem like a twist because of how it was portrayed through yeah the, like cuz it cuz like it's a twist obviously cuz it's not what you expected but i feel like it would be a been a more impactful twist if like there had been more build up to it and more focus on just queenie like we said before the main problem with this movie is there's so much stuff happening that you can't yeah. focus on one plot line so like if there had been a good bit of the movie dedicated to just Queenie's decision and why she makes this choice, it would have been, like, a really powerful twist. But that's not what we mm-hmm. got. Because all the scenes that we get with Queenie in Paris are literally just with her and Grindelwald. And, like, she's pretty much supporting him in every single scene. So it's not, like, a twist per se. It's just more like, what? Like... That's so weird that she's doing this, but, like, I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it makes sense. Like, this is a thing that I wasn't necessarily upset about. I mean, like, maybe the way the information was given. Like, just the, just the you know, just the organization of the film overall. But I didn't think it was necessarily out of character. I think it was a good, like, way to portray a part of her personality which i think is like a very anxious and like worried and um i mean like she's coming from a good place right yeah but it's it's like she's following like not the best solution for it and i think that's very real mm-hmm. and i think i think it very much mirrors the same sort of social commentary that all of these movies are going for that even good people can join this dangerous demagogue because they think that they're the person that can help them with their problems. We saw it in, during Hitler's rise to power. Yeah. And we see it now. 
Um, and we see it in this movie. So I, I think it's a good move on JK's part. I feel like it just wasn't executed as well as it could have yeah. been. And I think this one is actually more of, like, the execution. I think that's more of a director thing. Yeah, and I don't... Obviously, like, I don't know how many other scenes were shot with Queenie that were just cut. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that's... It's, it's partially David Yates, but it's also partially J.K., like, trying to squeeze so much into this movie. Well, yeah. I mean, I think her squeezing in so much... But I was just thinking, you know, the scene with her, like, crying, and it's, like, raining. Yeah. That I was, like, pointless. I was just I was just thinking about it, I was like, that scene was pointless. On the, like, it didn't yeah. go anywhere. I think it was a way to get her into the arms of Grindelwald the first time. But I, I, I it just was a confusing scene for me, because I was like, she's never been overwhelmed by her powers before. I know. Like we and, like, said. Again, she was, like, having this emotional moment, but also, like, she has had emotional moments in New York, which is a bigger city than Paris. Yeah. And, like, why did everything go, like, why did all the noises go away when that girl touched her? Like, yeah. that, that didn't make any sense. It would have, I think, I think. Was, well, legitimate, legitimate, so, like, but, like, that was never clarified. Yeah. They, they really haven't explained a lot about legitimate. Because the only things I know about Ladillamans is that they can do what Queenie does, and that Snape was also one. Yeah. And that's, like, all I know. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, like, somewhat intentional on J.K.'s part so that, like, you don't box the characters in. But I do wish we knew more information. Because also, like, my thing is, if she can read minds and, like, emotions, why hasn't she had a stronger look? Uh, like, why isn't she, like, immediately seen Grindelwald for what he is? Right. Uh, I also think that maybe he's blocking it, because I'm pretty sure yeah. Dumbledore blocked a lot of stuff from Snape. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm sure that, like, is an explanation, but I'm just like, why didn't we get that? Yeah, I wish, I wish, like, things were explained more, because it's like, we know that Grindelwald, like, hates people. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't understand why. Because she knows, too. Like, that's the thing, right? She knows. Because when she first sees him, she's like, get the fuck away from me. Um, and he's like, wait, oh. like, chill. I don't know if she knows, like, his exact, like, stances on things. Because he, he had more of a power in, um, in Europe. And she's obviously that's American. True. So I don't know how much, like, I think we talked about this before, like, how much, like, Tina and Queenie actually know about the events of what Grindelwald has done. Yeah. And how much that has, like, circulated throughout the world. Because obviously, like, 1920s, the the information is not, like, today. Yeah, but, but Tina's an horror, and, and he was held in the American... Uh, wizard jail place for like a few months before everything happened. For real. I don't know. So probably like some stuff has gotten out, but yeah. like I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know if we'll ever know. <laughs> also like in that rally we saw like we didn't see him go like, hey, I hate muggles. Let's kill them all. Yeah. 
obviously that's not something that happens. So, like, I'm wondering, like, when people would have learned his, what how he actually feels about things. Yeah, because he and was, against, like... like, what a demagogue does. Yeah, he was, like, I don't think muggles are useless. I think that they have different uses. And I think he's yeah. able to at least, like, manipulate his mind a little bit so that, like, that is what appears true to Queenie, I'm sure, because he's mm-hmm. so powerful that he can, like, do something like that. I just yeah, wish we got he, like, more of it. What he's dealing with, because he, he's the one who wanted her by his side so like i'm sure he knows how to prevent her from doing that yeah i think think that's gonna be something that turns at a certain point and that's how queenie gets away i hope that's something they talk about a lot more like queenie and grindelwald's relationship i hope they talk about it a lot more in the next movie yeah because that's like a really strange one that i'd like to see them like really dig into Mm-hmm. and maybe we'll learn more about that mysterious woman whose name i don't know yeah <laughs> who is she no one knows <laughs> does she have a name <laughs> she's always there she's the one who holds the hookah skull <laughs> yeah. maybe that's her name woman who holds hookah skull <laughs> yeah we already have enough of women without prominent roles in the oh movie. i know it, i'm trying to think does it pass the bechtel test no um no 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 wait you have the you have the scene between queenie in um the paris um office with the attendant woman they're talking about grindelwald are they they're like no? yeah they're, she's like my like the person who lives here like wants to see you and stuff i feel like that's technically talking about a man i don't remember also like part of that is like queenie doesn't understand because she doesn't speak french so mm, yeah yeah oof that's okay yikes (laughs) um oh you know what oh in the flashback when lita is being attacked Oh, yes, yes, it does pass it, because the two girls that bully Lita are talking about her. Oh, and then she also talks... No, wait, she doesn't talk to McGonagall. Never mind. But yeah, okay. So it, like, barely passed. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. We love that. <laughs> we love that for us. Okay. Yikes. Um, way to go, David Yates. I'm gonna blame him for that. Um... <laughs> So yeah, do you have anything else about Queenie? Um, just that I'm, I mean, this is one that I'm more hopeful for. Yeah, I I think I'm glad that they told her and that she, like, that, her being the actress, yeah. Alice Buttle, so that she could work up to it, and I'm... I think she did a great like, job with what yeah, she was given. I think she did what the best that she could. Because, like, that whole rally scene was very much, like, you could see the conflict. I, yeah, I th- and I do really like the, ke- I mean, the chemistry that we do get between all of the actors. Like, it's, yeah. it's hard to get it because of the stuff that happens. But, like, that scene, so of them. yeah, that yeah. scene was so good between her and Jacob. Yes. 
I would love to see more of them. I love them. Because we didn't even see that much of them in In the the first first one. It's like, why are they together? I mean, like, I like them together, but (laughs) please explain. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's just, seems like a very strange pairing, but I love it. (laughs) But yeah, I want to see more of them. Hopefully we see more of them next uh, movie. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't really ranty, but we'll get, we're going to get there. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't always have to be rants. But it usually is. <laughs> All right. So this next article uh, um, is another twist. It's um, Zoe Kravitz says Lita's fate in Grindelwald may have been a last-minute change. Um, it's on hypeable.com, uh, and it's written by Andrew Sims. Thank you, Andrew. Is he a Sim? Who knows? Only time can tell. He's multiple. Also, this, I added the uh in this title, just saying, may have been last minute change. Oh, yikes. Andrew. Yikes. Okay. And it was edited by Brandy Del Hagen. And she's, she, I mean, she didn't even catch it. Technically, it's no. technically correct, but it's like a stretch. Zoe mm, Kravitz okay. says Lita's fate in Grindelwald may have been last minute change. No. Colloquially, yes, it's grammatically correct. I would, I would argue. Zoe Kravitz all... says Lita's fate in Grindelwald may have been last minute change. <laughs> We're not going to argue about this, okay? <laughs> That's a different podcast where we argue about grammar. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shout out to the the illusionist with an A that does all sorts of linguistic um, stuff. Oh, it's really? I should us. listen to it. Yeah, sponsor us. <laughs> I, after yeah, I, yeah. I listen to it, I'll leave a review. And <laughs> Please sponsor us. We're looking for sponsors. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's go through this article. Yay. Um, Lisa's... Li- Lita Lestrange's you-know-what at the end of Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, was a pretty big surprise. And maybe our shock is justified. That twist may not have always been the plan. Lita Lestrange actress Zoe Kravitz appeared on Dan Fogler's 4D Experience with an X. Wow. Okay. Podcast this week. And the two Fantastic Beasts stars touched on the former's apparent death at the end of Grindelwald. Turns out Lita might not actually be dead, or at least that wasn't always the plan. Kravitz seems to be, believe that getting blue fire toasted and seemingly being killed due to the flames engulfing, engulfing her was a last-minute change. Here's all the conversation on the podcast. Wait. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You be Dan, I'll be Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dan. Spoilers. You get fucking toasted by... You get blue fire toasted. Lita go bye-bye. Lita go bye-bye. Did they give you any idea you'd come back as a ghost or something? It seems very unclear. I want you to haunt Jacob or something. Like, you've got something to tell from beyond the grave. I'd love to do that. A little haunting action would be cool. 
I don't know. It was, I think it was kind of a last minute change that she gets toasted. They're going to have to bring you back somehow. I think they, they're going to have to. It'd be cool if they did, but if they don't, that's fine. <laughs> they brought Freedom back. The Obscurious helped him. Maybe that some kind of the strange thing where you reincarnate, like Gandalf. I'm open to all possibilities. I'm gonna, well, who knows what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna float that out there. I really want you to come back. All right. <laughs> End quote. I love, she's like, um, it'd be cool if, if they didn't kill me, but if they still do, I guess it's okay. <laughs> yeah, like, um... I mean, I didn't really expect for this to be my last movie, but I guess that's okay. I'm just confused. Like, wouldn't she know for sure? Like, that's such a weird place to put someone. Like, no. Like, not telling someone if they're coming back or not. Because it seems like she so doesn't also, even like, know. Them doing, like, other movies. Yeah. They gotta tell her soon. <laughs> they're gonna be filming in a couple months. Who knows? JK might, but... <laughs> also, like, why was it so last minute? Okay, anyway, let's let we can talk about that <laughs> after we get through this. Oh my god, it's it's almost there. Um, so Lita might not be dead. Kravitz doesn't explain why she feels it was a last minute change, but this might suggest that Rowling has not officially killed off Lita. This is completely a guess on my part, but perhaps it was a filmmaking decision to only make it look like she died in order to raise the stakes. The actress also made it clear. That that she's in the dark on her future involvement, so our guess is as good as hers in terms of Lita Lestrange's true fate. Bring a, bringing Lita back might be a risky move, because pulling a fake out doesn't always go well over well with moviegoers. We also have to consider that there might be one other fake out going on in the series. We don't know if Grindelwald is telling Credence the truth about his supposed identity. Two major fake-outs spanning The Crimes of Grindelwald and Fantastic Beasts 3 would be pretty unforgivable, in this fan's opinion. Do you think Lita is dead? Tell us in the comments. Okay. Um, so, okay, here's my thing. Uh, I don't think this movie, this movie franchise is scared of fake-outs because they literally did one in this. Like yeah, that's true. Like credence well, not being cre- dead yeah. was a big thing. Um, cause oh, and what was the other thing? Oh yeah, Jacob. Jacob not that not being a severe thing. Yeah, was a fake out. Yeah, but I will say, like, I think it's it is very ambi like Zoe Zoe Kravitz, Lita Lita's like death. That is more ambiguous to me than both of the other things they faked out before. So I would actually be pretty forgiving if she doesn't turn out dead because I was very confused by that scene. Yeah, I, I think it. I, I think the problem is like what that blue fire was wasn't like <laughs> like was it a magical teleporting fire like some like like what blue powder or was it like actually killing people yeah i would yeah i think it's more power i think like if he like just could have all just like teleported them into like some dungeon somewhere then he'd have more power than just like straight up killing them but then again like straight up killing them also has its benefits 
Okay, I know that blue fire has some sort of significance in the... Oh, the Harry Potter lexicon, I think, talks about it. I'm going to look it up right now. Because okay. because um, Hermione has blue fire, too. But that's only in the books, though. She doesn't have, blue, like, special blue fire in the movies. I think just because they didn't want to make her too different. Or maybe they didn't have the effects for it in the first movie. And then, like, uh-huh. didn't want to, like, change it up. Um, yeah. But, like, she has, like, canonically, like, she has blue fire. Like, every fire that she magics, it's Mm -hmm. blue. So I want to know what that means. Yeah. Um, like, part of my question with this is, like, if, obviously, Grindelwald wanted Lita to join him, so, like, what would he gain from killing her? Um, or is he, or is that, like, the same sort of idea that we get in, like, the opening scene where he uses people and then they're dispensable? Like Yeah, that? I was, I was confused because, um... If she died, it was so pointless right yeah because like we've talked about this before like how are they able to hold off the blue fire if it's like if grindelwald is so powerful at controlling it and like how does her dying stop that other than maybe distracting him by by like having to kill her but like he was able to kill tons of other people at the same time without them being able without getting distracted so like that's like a kind of weak point so i'm I'm just like i'm in the same camp of i'm like what did her death do like it didn't seem like it it was all for nothing which i guess could all you could also say was the point like people are gonna die for not for no good reason but like i feel like that's just a weak stance it was super like it because at first it was like oh she's sacrificing herself so that Grindelwald is a little distracted so that um Newt and Theseus could escape but then Grindelwald basically like was not paying attention at the point where she walks into the fire Yeah, it seemed like it... I don't know if it was this was just, like, a screenplay and directing thing, that, but it just didn't seem like he was distracted by her. It, it seemed, like, almost, like... Like, he didn't really care. Yeah, now, like, he didn't care if he joined... If she joined him or not. And, um... Because, okay, because it would make more sense to me if, like, her sacrifice was, like, joining him. Yeah. And she, like, tries to stop him from the inside. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I guess I'm pretty sure, like, her loyalty has to be true. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think she had to sort of, like, switch her... I don't know what she was trying to do, man. I, I think, like, she was trying to like slow him down but like 
the way she was trying to do that was like dying which seems counterintuitive to me i i think like a more powerful choice would be like she fights to the finish but that's like not what she did so i'm just i'm just like confused yeah Yeah, I think it was just, like, a weak point in the movie. One of the many weak points in this movie. And it would make make sense, then, that it was a last-minute change. Yeah, I mean, I would say it had the best cinematic moment of the movie. Yeah, a very great gripping moment, but... But it just didn't make sense. Because by the yeah. time she went into the fire, I was like, what? She literally what? did not have to do that. <laughs> but why, though? How about you didn't? Okay. How about you just run? So, um, Hermione's blue fire is like a specific thing called bluebell flames. And it's like, like the charm that you do to make these flames are like is like it's unknown because in the book instead because it's the fire that she uses to you know in the in i think yeah in the first movie where like she thinks snape is jinxing um harry's broom yeah and she like puts him on fire so in the book it's just like oh she muttered something like and then these blue flames happened Mm-hmm. Um, but in the movie, I literally just watched the first movie again last week. Um, she mm. she says the specific spell, um, Lacarum Inflammare, and that's just, like, regular fire. So this is apparently, like, a pretty powerful-ish spell, because, like, only two people in the entire series have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also... So they're, the flames are waterproof. Um mm. And can be touched, penetrated, and held without burning the holder. So, like, the person who made them, like, they won't get harmed by it. Yeah. So, I wonder if if the these, like, flames are the same ones as the ones that Grindelwald uses. Because I don't know why there would be two different, like, blue fire things. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of reminded me of in Avatar The Last Airbender, how, like, Azula has blue fire. Mm-hmm. And like she's like just like super powerful and she, like she can make fire that that that's that hot. So yeah. I don't know. It could, I feel like it could be like either one of those. Yeah, and <clears throat> but I would I just wish it was explained more because like that's the first time we've seen it in this entire universe because they didn't have them for Hermione in the like first few films. Yeah, and and like there's not a lot of other points when you get a lot of blue fire because like the only times visually i'm remembering seeing it is in the goblet of fire which is obviously like this whole thing whole last thing like that's a great magical object so like it's got to be something different um but then like we see flames in a different way i think like I fire think so. tends to be not fire in the films, if that makes sense. 
like fire has a mind of its own we see a lot yeah so I, th- I think there's something powerful about the fire and then making it different but I, th- I, th- I don't know if it was like an obvious choice of them trying to tie it to the magic of that sort of blue fire that only a few people can do or if it was just like a visual choice because like if they I did, know because they had they a lot of those red fire obviously but they couldn't make it like green or it'd be like flu powder and people would be like oh he's just teleporting them mm-hmm. and then like what other color is gonna look good really not like yellow yeah and the blue matches his weird eye yeah or maybe like a purple but then i know i was thinking purple too i think it's supposed to match his aesthetic yeah and i, th- I think there's a very much like grayscale aesthetic <laughs> aesthetic <laughs> grayscale a- aesthetic throughout the entire movie like we don't see a lot of color in this movie which like is one of my other problems with it like there's just like these pops of color yeah it was very monotone leaning towards like cooler colors yeah monotone almost grayscale i'd Um, say i it was it was almost grayscale it was like and only the blue was really popping and blue at this point is a neutral color so like yeah yeah i just like and that just doesn't seem to vibe with the setting that they were trying to do yeah the first movie was so fun yeah i I think it was an active choice to shift it to towards that grayscale like removing color and all the fun i think it just happened too fast yeah i agree was they're very starkly different i remember um and this is weird because it's the same director right the yeah. Harry Potter series, the first shift happened, Prisoner of Azkaban, it was a similar thing. It was, like, pretty monotone, and le- like, but a lot of blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a different director, and, like, yeah. also, the, the, the vibe shift. was actually different. Yeah, and I think the vibe was definitely different in this movie. I think the change just happened too fast. Too much too fast. Yeah. Which you could say about the entirety of this movie it didn't seem very cohesive and i think it's because there was i think like six months to a year that passed in between the first and the second movie Mm -hmm. and not a lot of explanation in between Uh, yeah there wasn't a lot of explanation about what actually happened during that time Mm -hmm. so it's like it didn't even feel like the two stories were connected really yeah it kind of felt like because like newt was apparently just sitting in Britain for like six months. I know. Which like seems off. Because like of the travel ban. Yeah. I don't know. Which it was such a funny thing to. Be a moment of. When you stole it. <laughs> <laughs>